following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Okay, so today we want to start a series called The Discipleship Journey. And I, I really believe, for me, this is probably one of the most important messages that God has given me. I'm actually in the process of writing a book that I want to publish on this whole topic of the discipleship journey. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 23. And um, what we're going to be looking at today is what's involved in the discipleship journey. I've entitled this message, An Invitation to the discipleship journey, an invitation for you to come and join with me on this journey of discipleship because Jesus basically saw this as the center of it all. When he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, that was the great commission. And I'm not convinced a lot of people fully understand what Jesus meant. And I've spent a lot of years trying to understand what did Jesus mean when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. And so today I'm going to try to share with you what the difference is between a convert and a disciple. But let's read this passage of scripture first in Matthew 8 verses 18 to 23. It says, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe, a scribe is a religious teacher, a religious lawyer, someone who was well versed in the Torah, in the Old Testament. So this religious teacher and leader came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Really? No, actually, he didn't. My Bible says that, but uh, your Bible just says, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And the implication is, though the scripture doesn't say it, that this guy walks away. Verse 21, then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Then Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, now some of you sit there and say, wow, that's a bit harsh. How many of you are thinking, wow, that's a bit harsh. But just, just let me explain something here. In actual fact, this guy's father had not died. You say, how do you know that? Because the custom is this, that if your father dies, you don't leave the house. The custom is you stay at the house and you then are the, the one whom people come to comfort. But it is culturally offensive for you to leave the house and go out and do whatever. So in actual fact, this guy's father had not died. What he was asking Jesus is, hey, listen, I'll follow you, but let me first of all just go home and wait for my father to die. And once he's dead, I'll bury him and then I'll come and follow you. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's just another excuse. 
That's just one more excuse to the list of excuses. Let those who are spiritually dead bury those that are spiritually dead, but you come and follow me. And, uh, and so then verse 23 sums it all up. And it says, now when he got into a boat, his disciples, his true disciples followed him. Those that weren't his true disciples stayed behind. Can I give you a very simple definition of what a disciple is? Simple definition is this. A disciple is one who has made a decision to follow Jesus and become like him. Let me just say it again. A disciple is someone who's made a decision to follow Jesus and become like him. Now, you've got to understand that, that discipleship was a common occurrence in the days of Jesus. John the Baptist had his disciples. The scribes and Pharisees had their disciples. It was a culturally acceptable methodology of mentoring. And so what a young man would do is that he would find someone that he respected, someone whose teaching he respected, and he would follow that person and observe the teachings and become, that was the whole goal, was to become like the teacher. And so, and so John the Baptist had his disciples and they loved his message. They proclaimed his message and that was their goal to become like him. And so one day, John the Baptist says to his disciples, hey guys, there's someone better that you can follow. Who's that? See that guy over there? That's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God that, follows, that, that, that takes away the sins of the world. You're best to follow him and become like him. And so the first disciples of Jesus were actually some of the disciples that had been with John the Baptist, that John the Baptist gave a recommendation to become disciples of Jesus because John the Baptist knew that for them to become like Jesus was better than becoming like him. Hello? You getting this? So then what we've got here is just this little vignette, this little opening, this little glimpse of discipleship. And what you've got is this. To become a disciple means that you place Jesus ahead of materialism. Everybody say ahead of materialism. Because this scribe came to Jesus, I, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, really, do you want, really want to follow me? But let me tell you something. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have got nests. But the Son of Man has got nowhere to lay his head. So if you want to follow me, you're going to have to actually lay aside your pursuit of happiness, which is, which is the bottom line for materialism. The pursuit of happiness Everyone has a right to be happy. Yeah, but do you understand where true happiness come from, comes from? For so many people, the pursuit of happiness comes in how much you've got in materialistic things. Whereas the message that Jesus had was the pursuit of happiness comes in you being one with him. Because that's when your soul is truly fulfilled where you become one with him. And so he says to the scribe, he says, hey, listen, you want to follow me? 
I'm not following materialism. Matter of fact, my cardinal rule is this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you, but these things are behind, not in front. What needs to be in front is the pursuit of the kingdom, the pursuit of the things of God. Are you getting this? You know, because I want to say to you that what I'm, what I'm sharing with you today is as deep as teaching gets in the things of God. You say, this, this truly is the deepest teaching, the most profound teaching that you will get on this subject. And, and if you can understand it, then that's when you truly understand the deep things of God. And I'm believing for every single one of you to get hold of this today. Get hold of this because this will set you free into becoming all that God wants you to become. And so the second guy says, says hey, I've got, to bury, I've got to bury my dad. I've got to bury my family. I've, I've got these perceived duties. And again, you know, this is what the world tries to do. It tries to cause you to be happy with the pursuit of materialism. And then if that's not the case, it, for the honorable people, it says, well, you've got all these duties to perform. You've got all these responsibilities to perform and you're responsible here and you're responsible there. You've got this duty and you've got that duty. And Jesus is trying to address all this stuff and says, hang on here. If you want to be a disciple, here it is, Jesus first. But, but, but what about my duties? What about my responsibilities? It's the same thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. When you seek Jesus first, you will be able to pursue your duties, but they will be in right order. Because I want to say to you that when you are a disciple of Jesus, you actually become a better son. You actually become a better father. You actually become a better husband. You actually become a better brother. You actually become a better friend. You actually become a better neighbor. You're actually able to fulfill your duties at a higher level, but it's only because God is giving you the insight of how to do it better. But so many people, what they do is that they put their duties first rather than Jesus first. And so here it is. In discipleship, Jesus is first. He is numero uno. Everybody say numero uno. You can speak Italian now. You can say Giuliano. You can say numero uno. You're fluent in Italian. It's wonderful. You can say pasta. Ah. You can say spaghetti. Ravioli. Beautiful. Let me share with you this morning what the discipleship journey looks like. What does the discipleship journey look like? Okay, let me start by just putting, can I move this? Is this move? No, that's not movable. Just, um, is this mic stand movable? Oh, there we go. Just give me that mic stand. I just love this uh, illustration of the line in the sand. Here we go. So this is what uh, you say, I'm going to put it right here in the middle. So this is the cross. I want, I want you to see this. Because the discipleship journey starts on this side of the cross, where someone is a seeker. They start with being a seeker. And I really believe that every human being on this planet is searching for something. They're searching for fulfillment. They're searching for purpose. 
there, you know, I think it was uh, the, the great philosopher, Christian philosopher Pascal that said that everyone has a God-shaped void on the inside. And they're trying to find fulfillment for the God-shaped void. And they're seeking. They're seeking for that fulfillment. Too many people are looking in the wrong place for fulfillment. They're looking to materialism. They're, they're looking to things. They're looking to love. If only I can get married, I'll be fulfilled. Only to find that that's a challenge in itself. Did you say amen then? Because uh. <laughs> Simone is, she's looking at you, baby. <laughs> Uh, and so there's, there's this search, there's this seek, there's this quest. And, uh, and how many of you know people on this side of the line where they're searching, they're looking? And, you know, and, and I want to say that those people you need to pray for and help them on their journey so that they find that their quest is actually found in Jesus. That Jesus is the one that satisfies. Jesus is the one that saves. Jesus is the one. And so there's this line right here in the middle. And when you cross over that line, you get converted. So on this side of the line is the seeker. On that side of the line is the convert. And so the Bible talks about you're actually on this side of the line in the kingdom of this world. But when you cross the line, you're in the kingdom of God. And this line, you're in the kingdom of darkness. You're born into the kingdom of darkness. Nobody is born saved. Everybody's born in the kingdom of darkness. You choose, you make a decision to come into the kingdom of God by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can I just say three things are necessary for you to become a convert? Three things. Number one is the gospel. Number two is a conviction. And number three is a decision. So this is the way that it works. For someone who's a seeker to come into the kingdom and become a convert, they need to hear the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need to get a revelation of that. We need to understand that Jesus died upon the cross to forgive our sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And so there needs to be a belief in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. And then what happens is this, is that a decision needs to be made that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and follow him all the days of our life. See, that's the gospel. What an incredible thing it is to be a preacher of the gospel, to be a, sh a sharer of the gospel. How many of you Christians here love sharing the gospel? Half of you. Okay. Well, the other half might be here on the seeker side, and you need to be constantly hearing the gospel. How many of you love sharing the gospel? I, I, I want every single one of you to love that more and be passionate about more, because the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. So, so what happens is this, is that that's the first part of conversion, the gospel, and people need to hear it. You know what? I've written some tracks. And, uh, you know, if, if you're not very good at sharing the gospel, give someone a tract. Give them the tract because in the tract there's the gospel. So, so that's the first part of the gospel. The first part of conversion is the gospel. What's the second part? The second part is what we call conviction. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. In John 6, it says, unless God draws 
people, they can't be saved. There's got to be this drawing of God. There's got to be this conviction. There's got to be this work of the Spirit where it makes sense. How many of you remember the first time you heard the gospel? For some of you, it didn't make sense. It's like, care? What is this? But as you kept hearing it, it started to make sense. As the Holy Spirit takes away the veil, as the Holy Spirit takes away the confusion, as the Holy Spirit keeps drawing you closer to God, the whole thing starts to come together and starts to make sense. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know without the work of the Holy Spirit, nobody can get saved? So you've got the gospel, then you've got the conviction. That's what we call it, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I love it in, 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 in Acts where I think it's Acts 18 or, or Acts 16 where the Philippian jailer has this conviction. Here he is. I mean, at one stage he was beating Paul and Silas up. And then at the next moment, he gets this conviction. God's in the house and he calls out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Something of the Spirit of God was drawing him. What an awesome thing it is to be drawn by the Holy Spirit conviction. So you've got the gospel, you've got the conviction. And then the third part of conversion is the decision. This is where we as individuals with free will have this power to make a decision. Choose this day whom you will serve. You choose. You can either accept or reject. It's your decision and you will be accountable for your decision. Oh, I'm telling you what a wonderful thing it is to be sitting in church and feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I can still remember as a little kid sitting in church, feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I can still remember it. I, I, I mean, it was just so powerful. And, and, and the preacher would give the appeal, choose this day whom you will serve. And I had to respond. Something on the inside kept drawing me. This is your chance, John. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Salvation is being offered to you. You understand it. Respond. How many of you remember the day that you responded to the gospel where you made the decision? If you've done that, come on, give him a great big hand of praise. The conviction, the power of the Holy Spirit to respond to God. And that's when you become a believer. You get saved. You get born again. And at that point, your name is written in the book of life. Your name is written in the registry book of heaven. You're born again. How awesome it is. Everybody say, born again. You're converted. You are now a Christian. You are now out of hell and destined to go to heaven. How awesome is that? That's an awesome thing to be saved, to be born again, to know that your eternal destiny is with God forever and ever. A wonderful thing. But you know what the problem is? That a lot of Christians, that's where they stop. So a lot of Christians, they come out of darkness into light. They get converted. What a beautiful thing. But that's where they stop. Where in actual fact, that's just the beginning of your journey. 
You say, so, so what is it? See, God then wants you to become, he wants, wants you to cross another line. And this other line is the line where you are now moving from being a convert to being a disciple. Just put that up on the screen, becoming a disciple. And there's another line to cross. And I'm going to share with you over the next 10 minutes what the difference is between a convert and a disciple. But you know what? That's not even where the discipleship journey ends because there's another step. And the next step is where God wants you to become a disciple maker because that's where true maturity is, is where you are now making disciples. But how many of you know you can't make disciples unless you are yourself a disciple? So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what the seven core values of a disciple is, how to get those into your life. But what I want to do this this morning, just in closing, I want to share with you what the difference is between a convert and a disciple. So let, let me just point out the first thing is this, that you become a convert by putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you become a disciple by following the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a big difference between putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and following the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when you put, when you put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we call it believing. And we call that person becoming a believer. And in all parts of the world, Christians are called believers. Especially if you go to the Middle East, if you go, they're all called believers. But you know what? That's the first step. What's the next step? Where you go from believing in Jesus to becoming like Jesus. See, there's a big difference between believing and becoming. Fascinating little story that happened to Mahatma Gandhi. Fascinating story. He was in South Africa pursuing the teachings of Christianity. And so one particular day, he decides, today I'm going to go to church. So he finds the church and he goes up to the front step and and he's about to walk in when a big deacon stops him and he says, "Um, what are you doing here? And he says, "Um, I'm wanting to come to church. He says, oh, you're not allowed to come to this church. And he says, why not? He says, because you're the wrong color. You're a colored man. This is a white man's church. You're not allowed to come into this Christian church. And so Mahatma Gandhi never went back to church again. And so it was Stanley Jones that was interviewing Mahatma Gandhi and said, So what do you think about Christianity? And this is what Mahatma Gandhi says to to Stanley Jones, a missionary. He said, I really like your Christ. It's your Christians that I don't like. They are so unlike your Christ. Can I tell you that there is a big difference between believing in Christ And becoming like Christ, can I ask you a question? If Jesus was standing at the door of that church, would he ever ever let a colored man come into that church? Or would he put a big stop and say, you're not allowed into this church because you're the wrong color? He wouldn't let the the deacon in. So, So you can feel the rage. 
when, when, when there is this incongruity between what true Christianity is and what religiosity is all about. Let me tell you, I hate religiosity. Why is that? Because it blunts the edge of true Christianity. It's all about laws and regulations, not about the heart. You know, I just, when I was a kid growing up, we were brought up under legalism. You know, young people weren't allowed in their church because their hair was too long. What is that? I never had a problem with collar-length hair because I had an afro. My, my hair would go up, not down. Not an issue. Huh? How many of you would like to see Pastor John with an afro? Cool, man. I tell you, it was just so cool. Huh? Whereas my friends, my friends that have hair down to there, I had a friend called Pat Masidi. He had hair down to here. I had hair out to here. It was just awesome. It was fantastic. And the flares. Don't forget the flares. They sort of, they'd cover your shoes. That was when you were really cool. You would have trousers that would cover your shoes and platforms this high so you stood tall. It was very, very cool. Forget the skinny jeans. They were just the... Uh... Anyway, let's move on. So, so what, what you've got is this incongruity between belief and becoming, between faith and following, whereas true discipleship has no incongruity. We have faith and we follow. We have belief and we become. It's just this progress to move forward. Let, let, let me tell you another difference between a convert and a disciple. Now, a, a convert uh, has a revelation of grace. And grace is all about what God has done. I love the revelation of grace. You know, I, I love grace. What God has done, undeserved to me, what God has done. What God has done for me, irrespective and regardless of what I've done. What a wonderful thing the revelation of grace is. But you know what? When you're a disciple, you don't stop at that revelation. You add the next revelation, which is the revelation of obedience. Now that God has shown me grace, I will show grace to others. Now that God has done this for me, what can I do for him? And so we, we, go from, we, we go from revelation of grace and we add onto that the revelation of obedience. See, see, a convert will talk about my salvation, how wonderful it is for me to be saved. A disciple will start talking about the salvation of others. A disciple will start saying, you know, it's wonderful that I'm saved, but what about other people getting saved? It's wonderful that I'm going to heaven, but what about my friends going to heaven? What about them? And so once you cross that line where you stop thinking about yourself and your salvation and what God has done for you, and you start thinking about other people and their salvation or what God's doing for them, you've crossed that line from being a convert to being a disciple. See, a, a convert is all about me entering the kingdom of God, but a disciple has gone from me entering to the kingdom of God to me extending the kingdom of God. I want to extend the kingdom. It's wonderful to be in it, but I don't want to be in it by myself. I want all my friends, all my neighbors, all my family, all of the people, even my enemies to get saved because once they get saved, they'll stop being my enemy. They'll become my brother. How an awesome, let me tell you the greatest revenge that you can get on your enemies is to get them saved but I don't want them saved let me tell you as soon as they get saved they stop becoming your enemy they become your friend 
They become someone that will start respecting you. You know, this is a convert is, is focused on Jesus is my savior. Whereas the disciple is focused on, I love the fact that Jesus is my savior, but he's also my Lord. My Lord, and I'll bow my knee. I will follow him. I will do what he wants me to do. See, the difference is this, that, 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 that a disciple is someone who's a hearer of the word. And you've got to be really careful that you... A convert, sorry, is a hearer of the word. And you've got to be really careful that you don't get caught up in this trap of wanting to hear and hear and hear and have your ears tickled with the greatest and the best and more of great hearing. And, and we want to know more. We want to do more Bible studies. We want to have more information. Because the difference is this. A convert is a hearer of the word. A disciple is a doer of the word well how many of you know the big difference between hearing and doing one is i'm gonna fill my head up with more information until i explode and i've gone all over the world and i see christians that know heaps man they've just about memorized the bible but do they do what they've learned i'm interested in you doing not just you hearing i'm i'm interested in you applying not just you knowing so knowledge puffeth up. And you're going to be so careful that you don't think that discipleship is based in how much you know. Because there are too many people that are going from Bible study to Bible study, wanting more information, more information, more knowledge, more knowledge, more, 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 more for me, my head. I want to know more, more, more. When discipleship is about, well, are you doing what you know? Uh, let me give you an underline to this. To whom much is given, much is required. And can I tell you this? That the more you know, the more God's going to expect from you. And so you better be more doer than hearer. Because hearer without doer is in big trouble, baby. Okay, let me finish this morning by saying this. Do you know, if, if, if I preach a message on how God can help you, we pack the church out. You know, if, if we become a church that just, hey, this is how God's going to bless you. This is how God's going to help you. This is the privileges that you've got. It's like it tickles people's ears. People want to hear that. And you know what? I don't mind sharing that. And I think it's a wonderful thing to share with you how God wants to help you, how God wants to bless you, how God's got all these wonderful privileges for you. But that's a message for converts. A message for disciples is, you know what? God's blessed you so you can become a blessing. God's helped you so you can help others. God's touched you so you can touch others. Come on, do you want to stay here or do you want to move forward? Do you want to stay here with, feed me, feed me, give me, give me, more, more, more for me, pastor? Or do you want to say, oh, pastor, whatever you give me, I want to give others. Oh, I come to church to be fired up with a message that I can give others. Well, pour into me, pastor, so that I can pour into others. Fill me, pastor, so that I can overflow and touch others. Because that's the difference between a convert and a disciple. A convert is focused on me. A disciple is focused on others. And when you've crossed that line, let me tell you that you've truly become like Jesus. Because Jesus didn't come to this planet to be served but to serve 
and to give his life a ransom for many. That is the bottom line of discipleship. And can I just say that once you've become a disciple, then you are eligible to make disciples. And that's what true maturity is. That once you've gone through this process of becoming a disciple, then you've got what it takes to make disciples. And that is the ultimate goal that God has for your life. I thought God's goal for me was to be converted. Oh, that's the starting point. He doesn't want you to park there. Then he wants you to move into becoming a disciple. And then he wants you to move into becoming a disciple maker. And that's the ultimate goal. So when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, that's the great commission. He's taking you from there to here. And my passion as a pastor is not only that you might be converted, not only that you might become a disciple, but that ultimately you will become a disciple maker and be able to make disciples of others. (laughs) Wow, that's me done for this morning. I hope I've stirred you. I hope I've shaken you. I hope that I've either made you glad or made you mad. I just hope you haven't fallen asleep. I just pray that God's laid something in your heart to say, I know what I got to do. I know what my journey looks like and I'm going to commit to it. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 